Okay. So yeah. here's what I don't what I don't understand. Okay, tell me. Why is it when a bad storm, bad snow, bad weather, any event, whatever, is uh-huh. coming through, milk, bread, and eggs are the first thing to go off the shelf? Please explain this to me. Because uh, you don't know when you'll be able to leave your house again. And Co- right. you, you have to make sure that you, number one, have all the things to make your bread. <laughs> you know, you run out of bread in the snowstorm. Um, and you got to be able to, you know, eggs to make eggs. Right. Makes sense. It makes sense. Right. Okay. Yeah. I, so I really don't know. It's just everyone out here making fucking French toast. Like, I don't understand. Like, I don't even think this is a northern thing that it's people not, do. It's a southern okay. thing only. Okay, cool. Cool. Because, like, even my parents are like, we don't we don't understand why this is. I went to the store. To, this, this is why I bring it up. I went okay. to the store today and I was like. I'm going to, like, go get some eggs, which, uh-huh. of course, like, all all um, grocery stores put the milk and the eggs in the back of the store, so you have to yeah. walk past all the aisles, right? I get to the back. That shelf is completely fucking empty, which also Still? has the butter. Yeah. Like, oh, wow. everything okay. was gone. Like, just completely empty. I had to buy a 36-pack of, like, <laughs> two, two 18-pack eggs to Jesus. get eggs. And then, to stop it all off, all of the luncheon meat was bought up every oh. single pack was well, gone that's something i wasn't expecting no so it's like does anybody not know how to handle when a snow because we had the snore the snowstorm there we go this i can't fucking talk snowstorm snowstorm that came through i'm having a stroke came through last week right so we like nashville got it worse than you guys like we had you had a lot of snow like yeah like two inches of ice the first round and then the second round brought three inches of snow yeah and nashville didn't even have maybe even one salt truck worth of salt (laughs) so we were all just fucked and apparently by the second round they had sent down plow trucks to help us because we were so yeah like they nashville couldn't even take care of the highways they were just like oh well oh well can't we can't do anything about it so sad that's like we had so much salt on the roads like nothing was able to stick like any of the snow that we got, because we got maybe an inch of, or half an inch of ice, maybe. So um, you maybe? mean to tell me that Cookville, Tennessee did better than Nashville? No, no. I'm telling you that we did better with the salting. Our no, that's power what I'm was all fucked, though. Oh, they, never mind. Never mind. <laughs> all I totally the ice about that. knocked out, like, I think there were 18,000 18, people without power. That's, yeah, sounds about right. Like, it was a fuck ton of people that had no power for, like, days. Yeah, so, apparently cool. my dad, when he moved, he didn't lose power at his place, but he heard about Mountaintop and yes. he was like, I got locked out. So Ooh. when I went to go, when I went to go visit my dad, he's like, you know, your mom lost power for five days, right? And I was like, oh, sucks to suck. <laughs> oh, no. That's so sad, though. That was my mom, too. Yeah, he said he went up to Livingston and he said that when he got up there and got up on top of the mountain that my mom lives Mm -hmm. on, he said it was just ice. Like it was even worse than Cookville. Like everything, the trees, everything was just covered in ice. So she didn't get power back till Saturday and it went out on a Monday. Yep. That's exactly why my in-laws had the same thing happen um, because the entire, like every power station for that county went down. So there was no chance that they were going to get power until those power grids were restored. So, woo. That's, how does the whole fucking station go down? That makes no sense. <sighs> well, because let's you just don't keep, know how to de-ice your shit. <laughs> let's just keep fixing it and just not, like, do anything about it. Basically, a lot of it was 
because like trees came down too, so it like knocked the power lines out of the air. Because for some fucking reason, <laughs> the air. we have them in the air instead of under the fucking ground. But well, whatever. well, with how the weather's been, it, it this this shouldn't have been this shouldn't have happened. Okay, yeah, fair. But fair, fair, climate fair. change. But I mean, we're not we're still not going to do anything about it. Oh God, yeah. no! Of course we're not. It's not real because climate change means it's getting hotter, not colder, right? No, it means our <clears throat> summer and our winters are getting more extreme. Nuh-uh. That's not how that works. Well, you notice how we stopped calling it global warming and called it climate change because every single fucking asshole was like, it's going so colder in the winter. You don't understand. Google is free. Jesus Christ. Yeah, fun Ah! Okay, sorry. I I had to, like, rant because I I tried to get some food brought to our house because we don't like to go out in the public. Then do it again. Because, you know, we're still in the middle of a pepperoni. And... I couldn't get anybody to deliver to our house with the food. So I was like, what the... F-? So I was like, fine, I'll just double mask it with some Germex out the ass yeah. and I'll just go to the store. And there was nothing. There was absolutely yeah. nothing. I Like, even that store is usually pretty barren and then it was even more barren. And it was just fucking gone. But the it's elders. like... But, but then I thought of, like, your mom and then mm-hmm. Gary's mom where it's yeah. like... They also have the 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 giant chest coolers of yep. food that they yep. stock up on, but they don't have a generator. Yep. If the yep. power goes out, you're just counterintuitive. Like like if yep. you're gonna doomsday prep, go do the full right. mile. Like do it right. Oh, yep. I agree 100. percent This is actually the first time my mom has lost power in probably about 10 years during snow. So, oh, wow. or even rain. Like, she doesn't lose power very often. Um, luckily, she was fine because she has a gas burning, like, fireplace. Right. Um, because she's like, well, you know, around here we always talk about, like, the snowstorm of 93. That's, like, <laughs> the big thing. Yes, uh, I remember. So, yeah. So, my mom's like, since the snowstorm, I made sure to have, you know, gas heat in my house just for safety. So, I knew she was going to be fine. What about the ice storm of 2021? Nothing. Not even close. <laughs> Not even comparable. <laughs> Not even a generator. Okay. Nah. Well, it's, I always find it funny because it's like your your freezer goes out and they're like, we had to throw away so much food. It's like- Put it the fuck outside. You do know it never got above freezing Jesus. the whole entire time. Like, I do know that it did get above freezing and people still didn't have their power back. But it's like, just throw your food up outside. out of animals' reaches and then it's great. You, you Seriously. Have, there's a freezer i love the videos where the people are like i'm going to the fridge for a beer and they open up the front door and there's just like five feet of snow and there's beer those stuck are in the my snow. favorite because <laughs> well, i mean at that I, point you could just put the whole fucking freezer outside and it's gonna say cool just unplug when- your refrigerator like just save some money it's a two for it's a seriously two win situation it's a win-win there we fine. go pack that bitch full of snow she good to go <laughs> <laughs> goodness gracious Oh, I didn't even think about that. You can actually just pack your fridge full of snow. Yeah. I have a friend of mine that was out of power in, in the city for uh-huh. five days, and he literally just went and got ice and just shoved it in his freezer and his fridge and was like, it is what it is. It'll keep it insulated. But like, so, what did it, what about the water when it he melted? He put a towel down and <laughs> would change the towel every couple hours. Genius. So, Absolute yeah. genius. I was like, okay, yeah, that's reasonable. I'm down I mean, for that. Yeah, like improvise yeah. adapt overcome bear grills exactly There's drink options. your piss okay Ew, please don't drink your piss <laughs> that's very bad for you please don't do that you can do it one time um <laughs> anyways okay now we're old we're derailing a little bit you know but you want to know what rail we should get on yes please which spooky one stories Spook- the spooky stories real 
I'm that one. Spooky, okay, cool. Spooky stories. Okay, so we're going to flip a coin. Okay. As for the use, and then we don't have, we have the actual quarter now. We don't have the Ooh. Egyptian coin. So we're going to flip it. What do you want? Uh, you want booty? Um, no. No, I want um, smart big brain boy. <laughs> <laughs> what? Big brain boy, because heads. I expected it. Get it? What? Because heads. Head? It's his oh. head. It's Big Brain Boy. Or it could be expect- Big Ego Boy, Swollen Head, either one. Oh, well, but. that's fair. Okay. It's just... I mean, it's, we'll see what happens. I'm, you know what? I'm just... I go what? first. <gasps> Yay. Going on tails. Look at that. Well, the one time I didn't choose booty ass. You, you just... I'm disappointed. You, you looked out. Okay, so if you like what we do before we start, be sure to check us out on our Patreon at patreon.com slash haunt her. I barely know her. And we have two two tiers set up. We have a medium tier and investigator tier, and obviously they're they're two different packages. The more more um, the higher up tier definitely allows you guys to check out the other videos that we're putting up. And the next one's going to be coming out next Pretty Friday. Soon. Yes. Yeah, I got it. I got it scheduled to do the Woo! thing. So definitely check us out, support us, and yeah, there we go. You ready? Good stuff. Uh, Are you ready? Yes. I think I am comfortably strapped into my couch, and I would like to learn about your topic. So today, my topic, (laughs) presented by Katie Groves, is Harry Houdini. Now, before you all... Do-do-do-do-do. Before before everybody's like, how in the hell does Harry Houdini have to do anything with paranormal? He actually became a huge medium debunker. Woo! In his in his like last two years of life, so so I'll put that out there. He he became a paranormal medium debunker, but we're gonna get into like a little bit of like his a little bit of history of like his earlier life and like yes, talk please. about some of his his escape his escape acts because I didn't know what all of them were. Yeah, so I just put me. them. I just I just sprinkled them in there a little bit, and then we're gonna touch on the actual debunking medium. So before we get there, Harry Houdini, born Eric Weiss. In March 24th of 1874, and his death October 31st of 1926. Oh, he geez. died at the age of 52. Yeah, he was super... He was young and... Young, 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 young. So, he was born in Budapest, Hungary, oh. but moved to America at the age of four. He was an illusionist... Illusionist... <laughs> I believe in you. Just take it slow. It's fine. You're doing great. Illusionist. There you illusionist. Go. Yeah, there we go. Stump performer and escape artist. He was a very fit human being, and he was a cross-country runner champion and trained under Joseph Wren. I didn't... It said it trained under him. I don't know, mm. as a magician, as a I'm assuming athlete. A tr- a I think runner? it was both, because <laughs> Joseph Wren was also part of the Athletes Club. Okay. So, so I don't know if that's why Houdini was so ripped, is because you have to be a ripped magician. I have no clue. A ripedician? Stop it. So in the beginning, <laughs> Harry and his brother were the first main stars of the show because they were, you okay. know, you're obviously starting out and Free you got to go start. You can get it, you know? Yeah, right. So at first, Harry didn't do a whole lot of magic tricks. He kind of more focused on escape acts, which I guess is also magic, but like, I mean, um, like yeah. magic as in like cards and like stuff like that. So okay. definitely was more of an escape artist. So at a Coney Island performing act, he met his wife. Okay. Not then, but but they, they got be. married. Future wife. Oh God, Wilhelm. Wilhelmia. No, it's not Wilma. Oh. It's like the German version. Oh hell yeah, Wilhelmina Beatrice Bess Ronner. We're Get gonna call it, her girl. Bess. Her name's Bess because <laughs> that's that's what we're gonna call her. So that's Bess a... became Houdini's assistant in all of the following yes, performing did. acts. Yes, and so 
What? Don't make a suggestion. <laughs> Stop it. She became his assistant, and then it became known as the Houdinis instead of uh, the Houdini brothers. That's so cute. So we're going to cover his most popular escapes because they're really cool, and I think everybody should know about them. Hell yeah. The Daily Mirror Challenge. What? The newspaper called The Daily Mirror. Oh. That's that's why it's called that. I also said the same thing. So the newspaper made a challenge for Houdini that involved a special pair of handcuffs Mm -hmm. made where the lock took a locksmith five years to make. Jesus Christ. So the attempt took over an hour to do. Hell Yeah. Which which the, the way it was set up is that he was kind of like on a theater stage, but he never allowed anybody to see his escape acts. So he was behind a, kind of like a oh. kind of like one of those Chinese like stand up curtain kind of thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. He came out from behind the curtain and he was like, I want to take my jacket off. Can you can you uncuff me? And they're like, no, we can't uncuff you. Like, just like, do no, it. So he ended what? up putting a knife in his mouth and carving his jacket off of him. Jesus. At one point, his wife, when he got the jacket off of him and then he went to go back behind the screen, his wife uh-huh. came over and gave him a kiss, to which a lot of people said that at that point is th- the wife slipped him the key. Yeah. However, the key was six inches long. Oh. So, so that did, she have slipped it? Yeah, exactly. That, that didn't happen. So he eventually escaped. It took over an hour long. And said mm-hmm. after he went back behind the curtain, it took him 56 minutes. Mm-hmm. He claimed later that that was the hardest escape temp he ever did and he ended up breaking down and crying after it was over yeah well i mean that's fucking 50 minutes of thinking oh shit i'm never gonna get out of this oh god no and then then discredited and then your life's over blah 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 so that was that so then he did the milk can escape which is probably like one of his most popular ones Mm -hmm. where he was trapped inside of an oversized milk can which i don't know what what a milk can looks like but or why milk is in a can and it was filled with water Okay. It was it was promoted as failure means a drowning death, to which obviously he escaped. He was locked inside of this milk crate, and then he escaped, so he got out. Get Chinese w- water torture cell, because being Ew. locked in a giant milk can wasn't enough. Houdini's feet were locked into stocks, hung upside uh-huh. down, and then lowered into a glass tank filled with water. Oh, I hate it. At one point, the glass tank was only wide enough to where he would be inserted in, but could not turn around. So that was the first version of it. So I'm um, so anxious thinking yeah, it's, about that. It's disgusting. Fuck no. He he coined it the Houdini upside down, to which like he like copyrighted right. the whole show, so no one else could perform this act because it was a one time show that he did mm-hmm. for somebody. So so there was that. So he also did suspended straitjacket escape, where Houdini would be suspended from a building or crane. And would mm-hmm. just escape a regulated straitjacket. Sometimes Gross. when he was being suspended, you know, in these buildings, like, you know, like I think New York City and Chicago were some of the places that he went. Yeah. The wind would be so strong that he would be slammed into buildings. Fuck that. Yep. His record no. time was two minutes and 37 seconds. That man needs a different career. Yeah. Well, I mean, he died. So he also <gasps> did the overboard box escape which this one makes me want to vomit he was locked with handcuffs and iron legs leg irons handcuffs Mm -hmm. for your legs nailed into a wooden crate and then the crate was tied off with a rope so like just completely wrapped off in rope and then also weighted with 200 pounds of lead and then into the water nope he escaped in 57 seconds the box was still intact and the cuffs were still inside that man is 
a magic. That's he also did buried alive stunts, and he performed three separate variations of this. The first oh. one almost killed him. He was straight buried, no coffin, no nothing. Was just laid at the bottom of a six foot hole in the ground and then no. six feet of dirt was thrown on top of him no he became so exhausted from digging and trying to get out he started to panic once his hand broke through into the air he mm. passed out to which he had to be dug out and rescued and he just said that that was the scariest thing he's ever done and it was a little rough for him so there was an egyptian skate escape artist that claimed that he could spend an hour in a casket be mm. buried underneath the ground and also escape and that was like his big to do and of course houdini not wanting to be one to be shown up was like i'll do you one better he sealed himself into a coffin and then his coffin was submerged in a hotel pool to which he stayed in there for an hour and a half and then escaped and he said that there was no trick to it it was just mental endurance that and then um practice breathing controlled breathing fuck psycho no. absolutely his fuck not <laughs> His third no. escape attempt was to have him in a straitjacket, sealed no. in a coffin, <laughs> and then buried in a large tank filled with sand. However, this act was not performed because he died the year prior. This this man had adrenaline addiction? That is the something. only thing. Something. She had something. Because I would, I would never. I God, would simply no. never. So those were his famous ones that he did. Of course, there was stuff here and there. And apparently he made an elephant disappear at one point. And of course, he was also an actor. So it was Jesus. it was a whole it was a whole to do. Right. So how do how do we get from world famous escape artist to medium debunker? Tell me. So let me tell you. You think, you know, because you told me something, but that's actually it's just it's just not true. Houdini absolutely adored his mother. Mm hmm. He claimed that she was his angel of earth. Aww. And in 1913, his mother had a stroke and passed away. Oh, when I was going to make a mama's joy, mama, no, mama's joy <laughs> joke, but I'm kind of glad I didn't. Ooh. Yeah, it would have been a little rough. When Houdini was told this, he passed out while on his tour in Copenhagen. Maybe. Yes, he just completely... Everyone who knew Houdini said that he was absolutely never the same after she died because he would write notes to, like, his brothers and being like, I'm not, the, like, he just said that he was in so much pain and grieving so much. Aww. He would spend days at his mother's grave talking Ooh. to her. Not, not healthy, bud. No. So now it goes that Houdini attended a seance trying to reconnect with his mother. And the medium okay. was found to be fraud, which sent Houdini on a revenge arc against all mediums for the rest of his life. Yep. However, this is a myth. No. Yes, it is a myth. So that's that's Damn why it. I was told. That's why I was telling you. However, we're, we're still we're still on track. We're still on okay. track. Houdini was always into not spiritualism, so he knew about it. He knew what it was what it was and blah blah blah. He wasn't about it though. He, okay. He never liked it. Um, as a child, he would actually go to seances, and he apparently okay. went to some to try and reconnect with his dead brother and after his father had passed. That's really sad. So the whole uh, the the whole revenge arc mm -hmm. didn't even start till 10 years after his mom's death. Oh wow. During, yeah, during the 10 years Houdini did fight in World War 1. Okay. He did act in several movies and then perform some magic shows during this time. So okay. like he that didn't that whole thing didn't even start after his mom died. So that, that doesn't make sense. His trainer, Joseph Wren, who was also a non-believer in the paranormal and spiritual movement, mm -hmm. wanted to fake séances with Houdini. Of but course. Houdini 
Yeah, right. Houdini found it to be a tasteless act and never went through with it. Yeah. Okay. So he was he was against it. He never liked seances and blah, blah, blah. So here's what actually sparked this revenge arc. Here we go. Do tell. So in, tell me. So in June of 1922, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Yeah. Does that ring a bell? Does that ring it a do. bell? Yeah. Who is it? Who is he? Are you serious? <laughs> he, he's the Sherlock Holmes guy, right? Yes. He okay. Sherlock okay. Holmes. Okay. 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 Because I was like, oh, fuck. She's going to like kill me and fire. <laughs> and judge and, the hell out of you. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Became friends with Houdini while Houdini was on a tour. At one point, Doyle's wife did an automatic writing session to contact Houdini's number. Mm-hmm. 15 pages later, perfect Jesus. English was written on these pages and then a cross uh-huh. was drawn a cross was dr- drawn drew a cross was drew a cross was drawn drawn thank you i got you <laughs> holy shit a cross was drawn at the end of the session okay who Houdini didn't say shit however there was two things wrong with this uh-huh his mother did not know perfect english uh-huh and they were jewish yeah, I was about to say she she wouldn't know perfect English because he wasn't born in the U.S. No. or England. No, and they were Jewish, and they would Oof. never. His father was a rabbi. Would yeah, never... you definitely would not draw a fucking cross if you're Jewish. <laughs> like, no, 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 so, no, no. He didn't say anything. He just Ooh. was just kind of like, all right. That's, that's cool. That's a time. I guess we did that. What a party trick! Thanks, man. To, to which Doyle. Publicly announced that Houdini had been swayed to the side of spirits. Of course. So Houdini got mad and did not appreciate this comment. So he also went in public about his own opinion, which also was not in Conan's favor. So they they ended up bickering publicly, right? And Houdini, not wanting to be wrong yet again, goes on to start debunking mediums to Mm -hmm. prove that Conan Doyle's wife was a fake. (laughs) <laughs> and, Get and this this is what started his revenge arc against mediums oof okay i mean that's still a pretty good story yes so houdini was a part of a committee called the scientific american that put out a large cash prize of twenty five hundred dollars which mm-hmm. in today's time period was a little bit is a little bit under 40k jesus yes for anybody who could prove that they were a true medium okay. so i found about three stories that he went and personally debunked himself because there were a lot of times that the committee would go out and interview and do all that and then they were just like, Oh yeah, we're gonna we're gonna pass it, we're gonna mm. give them the money and Houdini would be like, Pause the tour, pause whatever the, like fuck the escape. He's mm-hmm. like, I'm coming right now. Do not give him the money. <laughs> hold like, up, every, hold up, wait. <laughs> every single fucking time Houdini was like, No, I don't I don't think so and just would show up and be like, Nah, I got this. So one of the first people he debunked I'm going to butcher the shit out of this name. Get it. Jaquin? Uh-huh. I practiced this, I swear to God. You're doing great. Argamasalia. Bless you. Argamasalia. There you go. Okay. Was, you did great. Was one of the... Thank you. Appreciate it. Was one of the first ones debunked by Houdini. He claimed that he was a sidekick and could read papers that obviously had shit written on them. Yeah. That were shoved into a box. So it would be a closed box, be a paper inside of it, and this 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 guy proclaimed that he could read these these papers read whatever okay. was written on the paper houdini claimed that argamal sala that's not even what i said was just lifting the box 
and reading the paper while everyone had their eyes closed. A lot of these mediums either had everyone close their eyes mm-hmm. or it was completely dark in the room. Yep. I also suspect that there might have been a mirror in the box, which also oh, would allow him yeah. to lift up the box and then kind of like hit the mirror and like read yeah. down because how can you read the paper at an angle? That's crazy. So that makes sense, actually. He could not duplicate the the reading of the papers inside of the box if the box was not of his own. Okay. After Ooh. Houdini exposed him, this kid never did another performance again. Oh, well, that's good. So that's a little coincidental. Yeah. It's, ooh, okay. Well. So the Scientific American mm-hmm. had moved on to investigate Nino Picorero. Okay. Okay. An Italian fellow, right? On the fourth investigation, Houdini caught wind that they were investigating him and canceled the show and showed up to the fourth investigation on this guy. I love because, that. Because this guy was passing all of the tests and Houdini's yeah. like, nope, I'm fucking coming. Here I go. No, so hold up. I got this. Pecorero would play instruments, apparently with telepathic bo- medium bullshit. Right. Would play instruments that were in the room with him. Okay. So it made it sound like he would. they would turn the lights off. They would, well, first, first would tie him with 60 foot length rope uh-huh. to a chair have an instrument next to him yeah apparently they would turn the lights off i don't know how or like like he's like i couldn't you guys can't see me do this so he would have a screen or something in front of him and music would start to play from the instruments uh-huh so he's so they're like oh my god he's he's a he's a medium he's a psychic he can play music houdini's like no he's escaping from the rope he's an escape Duh. artist so houdini knowing all the tricks of the trade of escaping yeah. took shorter chunks of rope uh-huh. And tied the man to the chair uh-huh. with tighter constraints. Yeah. So, like, individually would, like, tie up his legs. Okay. When Houdini did that, no music played. Okay, so I can definitely imagine, like, because if you're inexperienced and you don't know how to tie somebody, you're right. not going to tie them very tightly. You're not nope. going to tie the knots very tightly. Nope. Or even if you do, like, all they have to say is, ooh, that's a little tight. That's a little much. And you're like, oh, no, and oh, loosen no, it. And I'm gonna... Apparently, these guys who <sighs> were on the committee were not, were not like, the most, like, smartest people. But we'll get there. There's, like, a whole, there's, like, a whole arc with this. All right, perfect. It, it gets pretty good. So after, after Houdini did that and no music played, Picarero came out later and confessed to a newspaper interview that he was a fraud. Well, yeah. Duh. So that was, yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Zoe. Okay, cool. So so here is the most well-renowned debunking Houdini ever did. Even though he debunked it, it still kind of went on to be a thing, and it was just a thing. Okay. It was a thing. So here, this is the most wildest thing. Mina Marjorie, as they called her, Marjorie, mm-hmm. Corandon. Okay. She was the wife of a socialite surgeon. Ooh. And she claimed to be a medium. She claimed okay. that she could be a medium. So this is important. Marjorie was noted to be a very beautiful woman who would also do her seances naked. <gasps> she would wildly jump into the laps of her male audience members Ooh. and had several quote-unquote assistants who were believed to one- be won over by sexual favors okay. to be biased in her favor. Okay. So we're going to get there. So that's a little that's a little foreshadow, foreshadow, foreshadow. Ooh. We'll get there. A part of her act was that ectoplasm would spew from every... <gasps> this is important. Every single orifice on her body, every single one. Oh dear! And a spectral hand would look like it would come out. This would come Say out of it. her lady bits. I'm not saying it. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up! 
<laughs> she, <laughs> she had a... <laughs> Excuse me? What? <laughs> she she had a spectral hand come out of her coochie. <laughs> <laughs> out of her box. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna die. Uh, I know. I didn't want to. Between our stories are so uncomfortable. As soon as I read that, I was like, "Man, so he's gonna make fun of me." (laughs) I'm not gonna make fun of you. I'm making fun of her. What kind of an idea is that? I don't. Well, I think her husband's. But here we go. Ectoplasm hand out of her out of her coochie. Lady parts. (laughs) Lady bits. Let me take your hand, (laughs) ma'am. I'm gonna die. (laughs) (laughs) Lord have mercy. Oh Jesus. Okay. So, oh, where I even lost my. Okay. So the hands. Oh, this is gonna be even better. Oh, this is gonna be gross. Okay, let's go. The hand was supposed to be that of her dead brother Walter. Oh Christ! Why would it be coming out of there? That's really weird. (laughs) That's really moved. So, so she would like wear wear a um, like a robe type thing, and basically the hand would come out of the robe. But it it looks like it came out of like that her Her little no no royal area. Yeah. So Jesus, she would have the hand. I don't know how she got the hand to move. That part I I could not figure out in the research of anywhere. Oh. She would have the hand move around the table, wrap out messages, uh-huh. tip tables, or put a thumbprint in a clay-like matter. Okay. So, like, it would like it would come out and do a thumbprint to prove that it was Walter and it was his hand or something. I don't oh, fucking know. Oh, that's weird. Okay. Yeah, so. Cool. Re- really strange, really weird. Uh, the, you can find pictures of it on the internet. It was, I don't know. I don't know. I didn't want to look at it, to be quite that's, honest. So, that's fair. She had been under 20 different investigations from other Chair members of the Scientific American. So, mm-hmm. J. Malcolm Bird was apparently, like, the head of the committee, and he was ready to hand over the $250, dollars mm-hmm. $2, reward. There we go. Okay. When Houdini caught wind of this, oh, he yeah. was so outraged that he was not a, Yes, that he was not a part of the investigation. He immediately stopped his show and went straight to Boston to debunk her. He was on tour and just said, nope, fuck it. We're going to Boston. Hey, sorry, guys. I got something to do. (laughs) Gotta gotta go on my revenge arc real quick. BRB. She did her seances in the dark. Of course she did. This is fucked up. This is fucked up. Houdini, however, the day before, had wrapped a bandage so tight around his right knee all day that it became tender to even the slightest movement. Okay. Why? I'll tell you why. He was sitting next, so he predicted that he was, she was going to put him next to her. Uh-huh. He could feel her moving next to him using his tender knee. Okay, that makes sense. So she was using her, foot, her, foot, her feet to mm. move things around and tip over the Chinese screen that, that she yeah. had up in the room. Okay. So he figured it out and was just like, nah, you're a fraud. Like, this is bullshit. And she's Sorry, like, lady, quit tipping like, your toes. Right. So she's like, apparently on the next seance, she was going to make the table, the table levitate, which again, did it in the dark. Right. To which Houdini reached out and found that Marjorie was lifting the table with her head. Oh. So even with Houdini, with all of his other debunkings, was like, this is what they're doing. And everybody was like, okay, they're faking it. Yeah. The committee 
asked him to hold off, even oh. though he was he was ready to publicly He's slander wearing. her. Yeah, so the committee asked him to hold off because the committee was torn on whether or not she was an actual medium or not, even though it was bullshit because Houdini was like, no, she lifted it with her head. What are you guys talking about? Yeah. So, of course, Houdini just was like, fuck you guys, published his own pamphlet stating that all of her tricks were a fraud. And this is what Get he it. found. However, no one really kind of paid attention to it. No one oh, really no. believed it and went through with it. Another another Harvard, the Harvard faculty, mm. so the Harvard College, University, yeah. right? For, uh, they put together a team to investigate her. And it really wasn't until they did, did anybody mm. really believe it? So she, however... Was never awarded the money. Good. But here's 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 how she got on so long for what okay. she was doing and why the committee was so split. Houdini called out Bird, the, the main chair guy mm-hmm. for the Scientific American, right, for being accomplice to Marjorie. <gasps> and it was later discovered that another committee chairman person, Carrington, along with Bird, were seduced by Marjorie, <gasps> which is why they said that she was the real deal. Well, I mean, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And her husband was like, what did he do? He was always at every single one of her seances. So he was holding, like in on it? Holding her right hand. I don't know. I don't know. He always, this was really fucking weird. He always proclaimed that she was like the most beautiful woman ever and would actually show pictures of her naked no. at these seances. Yes. So he was like, I don't know, a swinger? I have no idea. I don't understand. I don't either. And that's okay. That's okay that I don't understand. <laughs> Is it? Yes. Okay. Because, you know, do whatever you like to do with well, as long as you're all consenting adults. But I never I never really got strange. into that part of it or how like the yeah, husband okay, felt about it. But he he was like her number one supporter and was showing off her hey. nudes and I don't they were apparently were still together even after the affairs came out. Oh cool. I have no idea. I mean So yeah, I don't know. I whatever. They're, I mean, they're all dead, so it doesn't really matter. So the ectohan <laughs> was found. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> the ecto lady bits hand was found to be made up of animal liver. Of course it was, because it's okay. And there was suspicion. You're going to fucking love this even more. Suspicion, but never proven, that uh-huh. her surgeon husband altered her lady <gasps> bits to no. stow the ectohan. He probably... What? No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, absolutely yeah. no. There was rumor. There was speculation. There was theory. There's no way. I don't think so either. No, I think That's... she was just like, well, let's go. Get me some gloves, and like that was it. <laughs> Stop it. So <laughs> or her surgeon husband was like, let's make this happen. <laughs> In a weird twist of fate, moving right along, during one of Marjorie's seances, Walter the Plazo Hand mm-hmm. said that Houdini. <laughs> said that houdini would be gone by halloween and that it was no no. matter which is exactly when houdini died well he was punched so apparently what one of houdini's fun acts was he let people punch him in his abs because he was a fairly ripped man okay before he was able to tighten up his abs and get ready for the punch the i don't know if it was an audience member or what's going on but the person punched houdini before he was ready caused his appendix to rupture yep. and he had died of septic shock jesus yep on halloween Ugh. as a as a really weird prediction from the va- the vagina hand yeah what walter's vagina hand that's yep. what we're gonna call that forever 
Let me shake your hand. <laughs> no, stop it. <laughs> Even after Houdini's death, Bess continued for 10 years on every Halloween to hold seances oh. for anyone who could reach out to Houdini and discover what their secret password was. Okay, when I said revenge arc, I fucking meant revenge arc. Okay. Even after Houdini's death, yeah. they agreed that they would they would have a phrase yeah. which was Rosabelle believe. Ooh. I don't know I don't know why the believe part, but Rosabelle was their famous fam- famous song, their favorite mm. song to future debunk mediums. Oh. Because he hated it so bad. Yeah. He was like, after my death, he was like, I want you to get mediums to try and figure out what our passphrase is. That's adorable. That's, like, that's fucking, some dedication, man. Right. Which is wild. Holy shit. No medium was ever able to guess the code correctly. Some Damn right. guys, Some guy said that he was able to, and then Best came about and was like, nope, fraud. Absolutely not. Yep. After the 10th year of Bess holding these seances, she said that she would hold them no more, that 10 years was long enough to wait on any man. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh, Bess. (laughs) Right, girl. So the challenge and Houdini's debunking also inspired a lot of other musicians musicians, magicians, magicians to debunk paranormal mediums to this day. So there was a million dollar cash prize to anyone who could prove themselves as a true medium. But they ended the challenge in 2015 because no one was participating anymore. Uh, That's fair. Yep. So Houdini died with his friend Sir Sir Conan Doyle not like Mm -hmm. getting along because the whole like arc was to prove that Doyle's wife was a liar, so they never got to reconcile, and then Houdini died. Well, I mean, that makes sense, because if your wife or spouse, whatever, tells you, hey, there, here's this thing I can do, how cool is it? And you're like, <laughs> yes, oh, sweetie, it's great. Yeah, I believe in you, and I trust I, you, because you're, you're my significant other. You're doing amazing, other. sweetie, yeah. Yeah, and then your best friend's like, no, nope, that's some fucking bullshit. Like, of course you're gonna be like, you're stupid, and get upset, so. Yeah, so... <laughs> It's just a cat fight between two old dudes. <laughs> they were two. They were two intellectuals. Well, at least Conan. Uh, Conan was apparently an intellectual, and then Houdini was just a really good escape artist. A so magician. They, they were, yeah. So they were just two socialites who were oh, bickering, will using their public platforms. Ugh. They were tweeting at each other, <laughs> but like using newspapers, but very aggressively. <laughs> yes. Huh? That's awesome. Okay, okay, so that's that is Houdini. Beautiful. That is the end of that story. You did great. That was really Thanks. good. I enjoyed oh, okay. that a lot. Yeah. Actually. Okay, cool. Great. But first, an ad sponsored by Asa Collective. But before. Hi, and thanks for checking out Drinking the Kool-Aid. I'm Cassidy. And I'm Amanda. And this is a podcast dedicated to the mysterious. Are you into conspiracy theories? True crime? Aliens? The paranormal? If so, you might be interested in our podcast, Drinking the Kool-Aid. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Just remember to keep your front door locked, your mind open, and and keep keep drinking drinking the Kool-Aid. But before we start, this is the part in our podcast where we would give a shout out to our newest Patreon member. However, this week we did not have a new Patreon member and that is okay. So if you do want to get a shout out on our show, be sure to become our newest Patreon member at patreon.com slash haunt her. I barely know her. But if you cannot provide 
or help out with any monetary. If you do want to do something else to support us, please be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or smash that follow button on Spotify. Remember, do the thing. What's the jingle? Oh, if you like what we do, please rate and review. (gasps) I love it every time. (laughs) I always forget it. So every time you say it, it's just like you said it for the first time. It's like it's new and fresh. Yes. Every time. I love it. Okay. That's great. Now, Zoe Knowlton, tell me what your... Yes. Are you trying to get the cat hair off of your mic from where he bit it? I am. He did. He walked right the fuck up and didn't even look at me. He just bit my mic. It was great. Zoe and I were like setting up and and the cat was sniffing the mic. I was like, you need to get him away from that. He's going to bite it. And I don't want him poking holes in the the windshield. She's like, he's not going to bite it. He's not going to do it. Dead ass. Dead ass. (sighs) Five minutes later, this, this cat, no cap, walks up, bites the mic. No hesitation. No. Just absolutely like, chomp nowhere. <laughs> I was like, well, here we are. So, I was right. so then I smacked him away and he just sat and like kept his back to me because he was so upset yep. that he couldn't eat my microphone. <laughs> Poor baby. And it's then he tried to eat your cable. But anyways. Yep. Okay. That's fine. So this week I am covering a gentleman named Harry Price. Tell me. Because we have so, a bunch of other topics that we're going to cover after we cover this man. God, so many. So many. So many. So many. So fucking many. <laughs> so Harry Price is known as pretty much like the most popular ghost hunter in all of the UK. Love it. So he was born January 17th, 1881, and he died March 29th of 1948. Oh, wow. He lived a while. So, yes. He lived quite a good, good long life, as it were. He was born in London, England, educated in New Cross. At 15, Harry Price founded the Carlton Dramatic Society uh-huh. and wrote plays, which included a drama called The Skeptic um, about his early experience with a poltergeist Ooh. in which he said he took place in a haunted manor in Shropshire. Where Shropshire. Yes, Shropshire. I just like spewed spit everywhere spit trying to say everywhere. <laughs> It is what it is. It's okay. Fine. So in addition to theater, the young Price had an interest in coin collecting and wrote several articles for the ASCIAN, um, the magazine for the Harbor Dasher School where he was attending at the time. Mm-hmm. He also had an interest in archaeology. And in August of 1908, he was 27, he found and married Constance Mary Knight, a wealthy heiress. Okay. And at this point in his life, he was able to settle down and become what he had always wanted, which was an independently wealthy ghost hunter. That man is living the fucking (laughs) dream. You're damn right he is. (laughs) And... So, in addition to that, the first couple of years, he worked as a salesman and a paper merchant for Edward Saunders and Sons, and he wrote oh. for two local Sussex newspapers, the West Sussex, Sussex Gazette <laughs> and the Southern Weekly News. <laughs> Say that five times fast. Holy shit. West, yes, seriously. It's difficult. So, Price had always had an interest in the paranormal and turned into also enjoying magic. Mm-hmm. So, in his late 30s, he became an expert amateur conjurer and joined the Magic Circle in 1922. Oh, wow. That's when Ooh. Houdini started his revenge arc. But anyways. Yes, it is. Yeah, Houdini and, ha- and Harry Price, I think, did cross paths a couple times. They did, in fact, ma'am. Okay. I have Harry Houdini in my notes very briefly because I knew you were going to cover him. Okay, cool. Go, go, go. So, that's kind of interesting. I also have Sir Arthur Conan Doyle in here. <gasps> but <laughs> here we are. <laughs> 
So at the time that Price joined the Magic Circle, he was 41 years old. Oh, wow. He was he was old. Old. Quote, unquote, old. Which is not so old, his, but... Ex- no, not, not, not even. Not really. <laughs> sort of. <laughs> his expertise in sleight of hand and magic tricks ended up helping him when he found his all-consuming passion in investigating paranormal phenomena. Mm-hmm. So, this is a word... That I'm gonna fuck up. Do it. More than once. Rip it. But it's really important that we all know what it is. Okay. Cyclical. 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 Like, yes. It's like the cycle of something? Mm. Uh, it's psychic research. Okay. Psychic and paranormal research. Okay. We're also gonna learn that word in parapsychology. So here we go. Oh, yeah. Parapsychology is cool. Yeah. I really want to join a parapsychology, like, group really bad. Here we are. We'll get there. Baby steps. One day. One day. So the cyclical research, Eric Dingwall, you'll hear that name again. Remember, poor little Dingwall. Okay. (laughs) And Price (laughs) uh, had met and decided to republish an anonymously written work by a former medium entitled Revelations of a Spiritual Medium. They published it in 1922, which exposed the tricks of mediumship and the fraudulent methods of producing quote unquote spirit hands. That's really Oh, funny. wow. Look at that. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wonder where those spirit, spirit hands are coming from. From your coochie. <laughs> At that time, all the copies of the books were immediately bought up, but they were bought by spiritualists oh, and fuck. deliberately destroyed to protect their trade. Oh, wow. So he's already making a lot of enemies. Ooh. So in 1920, Price joined the Society for Cyclical Research, or the SPR. I'm going to refer back to the SPR a lot, so get used to it. Okay. And because of his knowledge of conjuring, she, uh, started to defrunk... De- de- I tried to say debunk and fraudulent at the same time. Uh, it's debunk? You said you, you combined them. It's more efficient. Oh, that's true. Very more, <laughs> very more efficient. Much more efficient. In direct contrast to other magicians, however, Price would endorse mediums that he believed were genuine. So okay. as to where Harry Houdini was like, my whole point as a magician is to explain how they're doing things because obviously mediums are fucking fake. Right. Price was like, oh, I'm going to use my magic knowledge to be like, hey, that's fucking fake. But also that one's pretty cool. So okay, that's good. Because I was wondering, I was like, if he likes the paranormal, why is he debunking mediums? But he's just yeah. trying to find the fake ones. Yes, okay. because he feels like they're taking advantage of people, and that's yes. not fair. No. Yeah, so I'm on board with Harry Price on that instance. So Harry's first major success in cyclical research came in 1922 when he exposed the quote-unquote spirit photographer William Hope. Uh-huh. So I'm just going to, like, shotgun blast through his achievements, and then we're going to go a little further deep into some of the specific stories. Okay. So then in also in 1922, he traveled to Germany with Eric Dingwall, there's that guy again, <laughs> to investigate and debunk um, Jan Gusk. That's pretty good. We're going to go with that. Okay. And Eva Carrier. Okay. She's French and I fucked it up, but that's fine. Loved it. It is what it is. In 1925, he investigated Maria Stilbert, caught her using her toes to move objects strung up around the room and exposed her. Nice. Well, she also used her little toeses. He exposed the direct voice medium, George Ballantyne, in London, who claimed to be the voice for the spirit of the Italian composer Luigi Arditi. Uh-huh. Uh, 
Price discovered he was speaking word for word from the Italian phrasebook. So oh this my guy was like, God. Oh. <laughs> this English dude was like, yeah, I'm speaking Italian because I'm talking to this, like the spirit's talking through me. And then Price was like, okay, and copied it down word for word and then went to the Italian phrasebook and was like, motherfucker, which is really funny. Beep it a bop it a boop it a beep. That's, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, that's it what he was saying. It all sounds the same. <laughs> <laughs> it all sounds the same to me. That's I was quoting Family Guy, by the way. Oh. That was a Family Guy reference for anybody being like, wow, that's, nope. Okay, today I learned. Family Guy. Okay, go ahead. And then in 1926, Harry Price formed an organization called the National Laboratory of Cyclical Research as a rival to the Society for Cyclical Research. So at this point, he had started having some pushback from the SPR, so he was like, fuck y'all, fine, I'm gonna start my own. Oh, okay. Good for yeah. him. And, that, and I think that's pretty pretty good. Yeah. Get it, son. Yeah. So, Price actually had a number of disputes with the SPR, um, including the membership of a gentleman named Rudy Schindler. There we go. Sorry, Rudy Schindler. You just got to hear my brain loading. We'll get back to Rudy here in a little bit. So Price then made a, or several years later in 1934, he made a formal offer to the University of London to equip and endow a Department of Cyclical Research and to loan equipment of the National Laboratory and its library. So the university agreed. So the National Laboratory of Cyclical Research, which held all of Price's like stuff, his entire collection, mm -hmm. was reconstituted as the University of London Council for Cyclical Investigation. Ah, that's cool. Yeah, right? I was like, oh, get ooh, it, fancy. Ooh, ooh. And Harry Price was named as honorary secretary and editor. Then, or I guess backstepping a little bit, in 1927, Price joined the Ghost Club. Ooh. Okay. <laughs> a paranormal investigation. Short, uh, simple, to the point. All right. Hell yeah, let's do it. So it was a paranormal investigation and research organization, and re and he remained a member until it temporarily closed in 1936. Also in 1927, he's a busy boy. Price claimed he had come into possession of Joanna Southcott's box. Who the fuck is that? Let me tell you. Okay. Okay. So he arranged to have it opened in the presence of a suffragan bishop of Grantham. So Bless Joanna you. South. Thank you. That was really hard to say, and I needed that. <laughs> <laughs> so Joanna Southcott was a well-known religious prophetess in England. Okay. Ooh. What's in the box? You'll find out what's in the box, maybe. So she left this sealed wooden box of prophecies with instructions to only open the box at a time of national crisis and then only open the box in the presence of all 24 bishops of the Church of England. We could have used that Those box. Those were the conditions. We could have used that box now in the middle of this fucking parabola. Here we are. With Harry Price. Here we fucking are. So when Price had the box opened in front of the one bishop instead of the fucking 24... It contained a few oddments and unimportant papers, among them a lottery ticket and a horse pistol. The fuck? And what's a horse pistol? It's a pistol for shooting horses. That's awful. What the hell? <laughs> Don't look at me. I'm looking at you. Why? You're talking. <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate you, pay you perceiving me. That's so sweet. Oh, my God. <laughs> 
Joanna Southcott's followers, even though this box was opened, were like, that's fucking fake. No, we have the real one, bitch. Where's the real one? Where is it at? uh, sequestered away in a secret location until such a time when all of the bishops agree to their requests to open the box. Pandemic. Right, exactly. Like, this is a big deal. Open the box. Open the box. Okay, cool. But whatever. Whatever. Well, yeah, okay. So later, in 1927, the same year, Harry Price exposed Frederick Talsey Munnings, who claimed to produce the independent spirit voices of Julius Caesar, Dan Leno, who the fuck is Holly Holly Harvey Crypton, and King Henry VIII. What the fuck? (laughs) So Price invented and used a piece of equipment known as a voice control recorder and proved that all the voices were just Munnings, like, changing it a little bit. (laughs) People were falling for that? The fuck? Yeah. <laughs> oh. Okay. And then the, the following year in 28, Munnings was like, yep, it was all fake. And he sold his story to a Sunday newspaper. Congratulations. So, yeah, he made money being like, yeah, I'm a fraud. Beat price a, is right. Beat a douche. The price oh, is wrong. So okay. No, the price is right in this scenario. That was a Happy Gilmore reference. I've never seen Happy Gilmore. Oh my god, it's an Adam Sandler movie. Are you serious? I don't like Adam Sandler movies. What? I know, I'm sorry. That's everyone's reaction. No, that's fair. No one likes Adam Sandler's movies. Okay, go ahead. It is what it is. So by this point, Price had become friends with other debunkers of fraudulent mediums, including Harry Houdini. Oh, wow. And the journalist Ernest Palmer. I don't know who that is, but okay. I don't either, but he's a debunker. Cool. In 1933, we're moving on times. Because didn't Houdini die in 28, 29? 24. Oh. Well, that was a poor place 26. to put it in my notes. So sorry. 26. 26. It's fine. It's fine. Well, they were friends before he died, so there. <laughs> <laughs> in 1933, Price investigated Frank Decker at the National Laboratory of Cyclical Research. Under strict scientific controls that Price created, Decker failed to produce any phenomena at all. Of course. Yep. Because Harry Price was all about creating a controlled environment. So if people were like, yeah, I can I can move stuff with my mind. He was, okay, we're going to strap you the fuck to the chair and push you away from the table. And then you're going to try and move stuff. Yeah, because if you can Instead move stuff, of, you, shouldn't be yeah. up, you shouldn't have to be right next to it. Exactly. And he knew all the tricks of, oh, you're just going to untie yourself, man. Like, I know how to do that. So, yeah. Then, in 1935, Price began investigating and researching outside mediumship. He investigated um, Cardici's Indian rope trick and fire the firewalking abilities of Kuda Bucks. Bless you. In 36, thank you, Price began broadcasting on television. So, ooh, ooh, fancy. Okay, well, now we're getting even fancier. <laughs> ooh. His first was supposedly in a haunted house. Like, his first ever broadcast was in a supposedly haunted house for the BBC, um, which was a manor house in Mepham, Kent. Okay. Mepham, Kent. Okay. Ooh. And also published TV series called The Confessions of a Ghost Hunter and The Hunting of Cashin's Gap. 
So Sounds good. had some other TV series, which was kind of nifty. Okay. Then in 1937, Price reestablished the Ghost Club with himself as chairman, eh, of course. Eh, okay. <laughs> Be fair. Modernizing it and changing it from a spiritualist association to a group of open-minded skeptics that gathered to discuss paranormal topics and how they could be real or fake. Uh-huh. And he also, in 37, began admitting women into the club, which had never <gasps> happened before. Wow, what a progressionist. Mm-hmm. Love him. Yeah, especially for fucking 37. Jesus. Yeah. All right, so now we're going to move on to some of the more famous cases that Harry Price had as far as debunking. There are other things that he's done in his life that, of course, we're going to go into in the future. But right now, we're just going to cover the things. So the first of these famous cases is a gentleman named William Hope. So I did mention him earlier. So in 1916, Hope took a photograph of William Crooks. And when he developed the image, which, of course, it was those, like, old plate um, photographs. It wasn't our, like, film photographs, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when he developed the image, the figure of Crooks' deceased wife appeared standing next to him on the plate. Oh, my God. Right. That's not cool. So, <laughs> right. So Crooks was immediately convinced that it was ge- genuine evidence of not only his wife's continued love after her death, but proof that William Hope was indeed a spirit photographer. Uh-huh. Throughout the years, skeptics tried to expose Hope, believing that he was switching plates. Some found evidence of double exposure on the plate, which would indicate that another image was overlaid on top of the plate. So, no, so that's he's a just not a little, good. He's a little cheater. Cheater, cheater, that's pumpkin just... eater. Not good. On February 4th, 1922, Harry Price, James Seymour, Eric Dingwall, that guy again, Dingwall, and William, <laughs> William Marriott had proved that the spirit photographer William Hope was a fraud during tests performed at the British College of Psychical Science, or Psychic Science, excuse mm-hmm. me. Price had secretly marked Hope's photographic plates and provided him with a packet of additional plates that had all been etched with the brand image of Imperial Dry Plate Company, LLC. So Price knew that the logo would be transferred onto any image that was created with them. So it was basically like a old-timey watermark, right? Right. So he also knew if that set of plates wasn't used, that he had marked all the original equipment that Hope had brought with him. Right? Right. So as long as he used either the switched plates or his original plates, things would be fine. They would know what was happening, you know. Right. 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 Unless he was switching plates. So Price wrote in his SPR report that, quote, William Hope was found guilty of deliberately substituting his own plates for those of a sitter. It implies that the medium brings to the sitting a duplicate slide and faked plates for fraudulent purposes. He published the the Society's Experiment in a pamphlet of his own called Cold Light on Spiritualistic, quote-unquote, Phenomena, Uh an experiment with the crew circle. So basically, when everything was said and done, the watermarked plates didn't show up, so he didn't use the watermarked plates. The plates that Harry had, like, marked also weren't the final pictures. So every single photo that he created that was a spirit photo... It didn't come from either set of those plates, so he had to have been switching the plates out. Yep. So that kind of sucks because it was pretty cool, but do what it be. He's cheating. So, He's doing, he was yes. doing a 1930s Photoshop. <laughs> exactly what he was doing. 
plate shop, you know? Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) So sadly, Harry Price's friend, Arthur Conan Doyle, turned on him immediately after this conclusion. Oh, wow. Doyle led a massive resignation of 84 members of the SPR because they believed that the society was opposed to spiritualism as a result of them supporting Harry Price. Oh, shit. Yeah. Doyle even threatened to have Price evicted from his laboratory and claimed if he uh, persisted in writing, quote unquote, sewage about spiritualists, he would meet the same fate as Harry Houdini. (gasps) Did he just threaten to kill him? Yep. Or at least somebody somewhere is going to fuck him up. Jesus. Yeah. So for the remainder. Go ahead. Your boy Doyle is not that nice. No, I mean, he's kind of a prick. He writes pretty good, though. Oh, okay. (laughs) Sherlock Holmes is pretty good. Uh That's that's what I got. Doyle and other spiritualists continued to attack Price for the rest of his life. So even though he was doing what he thought was right, so many people were like, you're a fucking weenie. They're weenies. I agree. So despite Price's finding, Hope still retained a notable following among spiritualists, and Doyle refused to accept any evidence that Hope was a fraud and even created a conspiracy that Harry Price and the other researchers had framed William Hope. Wow. Yeah, that's a pretty far way to go. So that's uncomfortable. A little awkward. Yeah, very awkward. Very (laughs) awkward. (laughs) So here's another one that... Sir Arthur Conan Doyle was also duped by, in my opinion, um, Eva Carrier. Yes. However I said her name. I'm going to call her Eva That's good. from here on out. Yeah, do that. Because that's so much easier. That's okay. So in 1922, Price traveled to Germany with Eric Dingwall. There's Dingwall again. Dingwall. They're like BFFs or something. <laughs> to investigate Eva at the home of a very German name that I'm going to fuck up. Rip it. Be- Just wait. Albert von (laughs) Schrechnosing in Munich. There we go. That's what you get. Schrechnosing. Yep. Yep. Thank you. Yeah. He's going to be Albert the rest of the time. (laughs) So (laughs) Eva was born Marte Brard. You nailed it. Brard. Brard. She was a French woman who claimed she developed her psychic ability after the death of her fiancé in 1904, which is very sad. Yes. Um, Under her birth name of Marte, she started to perform seances immediately following his death, like starting immediately in 1905. Like, no time to grieve, just balls to the wall, let's go. During which time, she claimed to materialize a spirit called... Benaboa, a 300-year-old man. So, the spirit would just appear. She would materialize him. What's a Brahim? I don't know. You don't know? Brahmin. Yeah. Brahmin? It's a... um, I said Brahim. Nationality, I think. Brahmin. Okay. I'm not sure. Um, Yeah, feel free to Google that for me. I'd be down. So, photographs of this man were taken. Handbags. What? I got handbags. Handbags? (laughs) Yep. Okay. I'll keep, cool. I keep That's, going. It's fun. No, uh, uh, a class in Hinduism. Mm. Ah. Uh, a priest. A teacher. Okay. A protector okay. of sacred learning. Okay. There you go. Gotcha. Perfect. I knew the word, but I couldn't pull it out of the recesses of my brain what it meant. So That's all right. Like, uh, That's what Google's for. Thanks. It's free. Everyone should know. Google is free. That, that's true. You don't have to pay for Google. Thank goodness. I hope I didn't activate any of my devices. <laughs> <laughs> so photographs were taken of the man. 
but people believe that the figure was actually a cardboard cutout. Oof. Yeah, it's a pretty. You can find the pictures online. It's it's pretty bad. A newspaper article released in 1906 actually revealed that the coachman for the residence she was holding her seances in dressed up as Bianboa and would like enter in the room through a trap door. Um, so that's a little that's a little oop. awkward. Again. <laughs> His name was Ersiki, and he came out publicly about it and was like, yup, it's a hoax. Here we are. So later that year, um, Marta actually came out and was like, yeah, it was a hoax. My bad. Oh, my bad. I just fooled so many fucking people, ripped off my money. bad. Yeah. Yes. So not only was Albert that like bigwig fella uh, with his hyphenated last name, <laughs> not only was he fooled. Uh. But also Sir Arthur Conan Doyle was fooled by her in this instance. But did did Sir Arthur Buttface believe <laughs> believe that it was a fraud? Or like did it take them confessing their own fraudulent that he believed? So it was never said. So Okay. I'm assuming he didn't say anything about it because he was probably fooled in the beginning, but then when she was like, nah, it was bullshit, he was like, Well, here we are. Okay. That's uncomfortable. So all that happened in nineteen oh six, right? So a couple of years later, in 1909, Man, we're just she jumping changed around. her name. Jesus Christ. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. She changed her name and became Eva C. or Eva Carrier. Okay. To hide the fraud of her past and continue her career as a psychic. She, oh, here, here it is. I'm sorry. I misspoke. This is where she got investigated by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, and he believed her performances to be 100% genuine. What an idiot. So. <laughs> as did Albert. He was continuing to associate with her after her admitting it was a fraud. So he knew, but he was trying to, you know, convince people, yeah, man, she's the real deal. This is what's up. So. Okay. Harry Houdini and Matilda Lundendorf, there we go, uh, had both also investigated her and decided that she was a fraud. So two that were like, yeah, everything's great. And then two that were like, no, this is bullshit. Despite the scrutiny, Eva continued with her seances. They were often known to be perverse and neurotic. Yeah. Look at that. She was yeah. She was so prolific in producing ectoplasm out of every orifice of her body. Oh wow. That she was nicknamed the Queen of Exoplasm. Blech. Yeah, it's pretty gross. She was well known for running around the seance room completely naked and indulging in sexual activities with her audience. Oh my god. Her seance also included her producing ectoplasm from anywhere in her body. Anywhere. To whenever she communicated with spirits. Her partner, Juliette Bisson, also her romantic partner, uh-huh. would check her body to confirm that there was no ectoplasm hidden anywhere. Uh-huh. Yeah, sure. So, like, in front of all the dudes, she'd get her hands up in there. Oh! Like, no, everything is fine. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God! Before and after. So she's like, no, see, everything's okay. And then afterwards, she'd be like, everything's still fine. Where did it go? What the, <laughs> what the fuck is with these seances? <laughs> Jesus. I don't know. We're, dude, like, what level really are we getting spiritual on? Like, fuck. Oh, a little too much. Ooh. So here we are. This was important because she would, of course, produce ectoplasm from her vagina, breasts, or mouth. No idea how. Her breasts? Ew. Yeah, isn't that gross? Yeah. That's real gross. So Albert and what was her name? Ju- uh, Juliet. 
Albert and Juliet would take turns checking her out um, before and after seances. And sometimes she'd be like so feisty. She'd be like, one just did it. Let's do the other. And ooh, she, she was a little feisty. Weird. She was a little much. She was a little feisty. The French, you know what I mean? <laughs> she was a little, a little spicy. They actually, both of them also took erotic photos of Eva, including her naked with like ectoplasm dripping from Disgusting. her breasts. Disgusting. Yeah, that one's on Google. That's a little uncomfy. After his investigation, Harry Price don't tell him wrote what I'm doing. that I'm never, never, I would never do that to you. Um, after his investigation, Harry Price wrote that the photographs depicting the ectoplasm of the medium Eva C were taken, um, ooh, were taken by Albert, looked artificial and two dimensional, and made from cardboard and paper portraits, and that there was no scientific controls as both her hands were free. In 1920, Eva was investigated by psychical researchers in London. An analysis of her ectoplasm revealed it to be made of chewed paper. She was also investigated in 1922 for psychic ability by the SPR, and the the results were negative. So the SPR, by this point, had created actual, like, tests that they would give people to see if they had any psychic ability. So that's kind of cool, but she read zero psychic ability. Yeah, that doesn't look like... I expect ectoplasm to be, like, sticky-icky, and that just looks like... No. Paper. Yeah, like... Chewed up paper. I also can't find it. Because that's all it was. I can't find the naked picture, so that's okay. But I just wanted, okay. I wanted to see what the ectoplasm looked like. Okay, well, I'll find you a picture. Well, I mean, you don't you don't have to. <laughs> I'm actually really good. I'm okay. That's I'm it. totally fine with that, thanks. Okay. <laughs> Ugh. In 1954, so after Harry Price made his original like designation in the 20s, Rudolf Lambert revealed his study of Gustav Gilly's files on Eva, and he discovered that photos of Gilly's taken by um, Juliet showed the fraudulent ectoplasm. So like they took a bunch of pictures because they were trying to get the perfect one where you couldn't see the like oh no that's not really ectoplasm right right. right. So, that guy had the other photos oh, shit. that Juliet had taken. Oh, shit. So, they proved the various, quote-unquote, manifestations were artificially attached to Eva's hair by wires. So, they weren't hanging from her lady parts. They were just, like, attached to her hair, which just happened to hang down. Ah, gotcha. Yeah. So, her accomplice, Juliet Bisson, had been in on the story the whole time. Nice. So, which, I mean, you're going to help your girlfriend do whatever. Oh, yeah, right? absolutely. So, historian Ruth Brandon believes that, of course, Eve and Juliet were in a romantic relationship and collaborated with each other to fool their male audiences by distracting them with their erotic behavior. Sounds about right. Yeah, I mean, because they're going to give them money. I mean, yeah, that's, I mean, it's just a dead giveaway. Dead given. <laughs> right. Exactly. So, here we are. Oof. Oof. The next one is Eileen Garrett. This one's a little bit shorter. That was the longest one I had. Okay. On October 7th, 1930, Price attended a seance with Eileen Garrett. She made contact with Herbert Carmichael Irwin two days after his death when he died in a crash of the R-101 airship, which was the largest hydrogen-filled rigid airship until the Hindenburg flew seven years later. Oh, so they made that mistake twice? Uh, five or six times. Damn. Okay. Yeah. No, because the the R100 went down, and then they did the R101, and it also went down. I didn't know that. All right. Hindenburg, of course. Okay. So, 
She communicated with several victims of the crash, and it attracted worldwide attention thanks to a reporter who caught wind of it. Price actually did not come to any definitive conclusion about Garrett and her seances. Hmm. So he couldn't decide if she was real or if she was fake. He's quoted saying, It is not my intention to discuss if the medium were really controlled by the disincarnate entity of Irwin, or whether the utterances emanated from her subconscious mind or of those of the sitters. Spirit or trans personality would be equally interesting explanations and equally remarkable. There is no real evidence for either hypothesis. But it's not my intention to discuss hypotheses, rather to put on record the detailed account of a remarkably interesting and thought-provoking experiment. Huh. So, that's one that he wasn't like, this is bullshit. Well, at least if so. when he couldn't find evidence, at least he said that yeah. he couldn't find evidence. That's, I think, my favorite thing about Harry Price is, oh, well, I couldn't find anything. I'm not going to tell you that I did. Fair enough. But some say. So Rudy Schindler, I told you I'd come back to that guy. Okay. Uh, that was earlier mentioned, the the fellow that Price had such a big issue with inside SPR. Yeah. So Schindler claimed that he could levitate objects, right? Yeah. So Harry Price was like, okay, cool. Let's test it. Show me. Show me right now. <laughs> right. So Schindler was like, all right, we can do some experiments. Um, so they agreed to meet at the National Laboratory of Cyclical Research, which was Harry Price's business company deal. Right. Association, whatever it is. To which included having his hands and feet strapped down so he wouldn't be able to manipulate anything with his hands. Because once again, Harry Price knew the tricks of the trade. So Price considered this to be, of course, in a controlled experiment. After the experiment was complete, Price actually released photos taken on that day, April 28, 1932, showing Schindler managing to free one of his arms to pull a handkerchief from the table. Because that was the thing that he could move, was the handkerchief with his hand. Oh, so he's, a, he's also an escape artist. He's a big old fraud. Yeah, that too. Yeah. So, of course, many in the community were like, yeah, that guy's a fucking liar, which they were right. Mm -hmm. The next one is the last one that I have. Her name is Helen Duncan. Mm -hmm. And in 1931, Price and the National Laboratory of Cyclical Research took on its most illustrious case. Helen Duncan was a Scottish medium known as the last person to be imprisoned under the Witchcraft Act of 19, or excuse me, of 1735. Whoa. Yes. Whoa. All right. She, she, okay. she was also famous for producing ectoplasm during her seances. Ah, was she also naked and running around with the ectoplasm hand? And Surprisingly, she copped her clothes on. Okay, cool. Because <laughs> all the other ectoplasm women don't. Ugh. So during this... Uh, she would open her mouth and the ectoplasm would gradually form on the tip of her tongue until it was like the size of a cherry is how it was described. Then from there, it would swell up sometimes to the extent that it covered her whole body. Whoa. Before it would diminish back to the size of a cherry and disappear. What the fuck? The ectoplasm that she produced was pure white also, which I thought was a little weird. Okay. So during the experiment, she she decided, okay, yeah, we can do an experiment, Harry Price. That's fine. So she agreed to it. They paid her 50 pounds um, at that point in time. And she consented to being tied down to be kept from manipulating the environment, which is, of course, a Harry Price favorite. Price was already convinced at this point that she was a fraud, however. He thought the pure white substance she produced from her mouth was probably regurgitated cheesecloth. Ew. It was white. Yeah, right. Okay. Um, 
And I mean, he's already met one lady, Eva, who right. will chew up paper and regurgitate it as ectoplasm. So he's like, yeah, whatever. So he suggested that Miss Duncan receive a x-ray just to make sure that she didn't have anything that she had swallowed. Right. Okay. She flipped her fucking shit. She lost her mind, uh, started yelling and screaming. She ran from the lab and started making a scene in the street. What the hell? Her husband, her husband had to come and calm her down. No idea why she lost her shit. Price, on the other hand, was like, oh, okay. Okay. So you definitely swallowed something because you're not consenting to an x-ray because we'll see it. Okay. And of course, he was like, oh, she probably gave her husband the ectoplasm at that point for safekeeping. I get it. So he's not sold on this girl. Okay. So when they finally were able to perform the test, Price had a plan. He stated, quote, The sight of half a dozen men, each with a pair of scissors waiting for the word, was amusing. It came and we all jumped. One of the doctors got a hold of the stuff and secured it in place. The medium screamed and the rest of, a, of the uh, ectoplasm went down her throat. It was time, or this time it wasn't cheesecloth. It proved to be paper soaked in white egg. I folded it in, or, and folded it into a flattened tube. Could anything be more infantile than a group of grown men wasting time, money, and energy on the antics of a fat female crook? Wow. He was fucking done. He was so mad. He was big mad. Damn. So Price wrote up the case in Leaves from a Psychic's Cast Book in 1933 in a chapter he titled The Cheesecloth Worshippers, (laughs) which is so funny. Oh, my God. So following the pamphlet's release, Mary McGinty, which was the Duncan's former maid, confessed in very big detail to having aided Duncan in her tricks. And even Duncan's husband admitted to the ectoplasmic materials to be the result of regurgitation. Ugh. So everybody has just like, uh, yeah, okay. They it is just what it abandoned is. ship on her and was like, nah. Oops. Yeah. Okay. So Price continued to travel the world investigating mediums, hauntings, and poltergeists for the remainder of his life. He died on March 29th, 1948 in his home in Pearlboro, West Sussex. He's had many biographies and articles that have been written about him. Uh, Psychologist and skeptic Richard Wiseman praised Price for his work, saying, Price devoted the scientific study to weird stuff. Weird stuff. To weird stuff. Real descriptive. (laughs) That both delighted the world's media and infuriated believers and skeptics alike. Cyclical research Renee Haynes described Price as one of the most fascinating and storm-provoking figures in cyclical research. Yeah, because he was like, nah, if you fake, you fake. Right, exactly. And that is uh, the background on our dear boy, Hey Price. Yeah, because he, done. like you said, he investigated a lot of other places and a lot of other yeah. things. So he's going to pop up in some future stories. Yes. And you needed to have this like groundwork laid so that you knew who Harry Price was, what he did, and why he was important. Yes. Yes. Very yeah. important because then we're going to cover spiritualism. I'm so excited. Are you excited? Oh, man. Yeah, I'm really excited. I'm There's actually a lot, excited a lot. for my topic. I'm really excited about yours, too. Yeah. It's going to be a lot of fun. It, yeah. So the that'll be episode things. 31 that we'll cover Woo. that. Because we were supposed to technically cover spiritualism before Harry Price and Houdini, but we ran out of time. It is what it is. So we're going to do it next on episode 31. 
because episode yeah. 30 is the interview. Ooh. And we're recording it in a couple of days. And I'm so I'm fucking really excited. excited. Holy shit. It's going to be so good. It's going to be great. I'm so, I, I cannot wait. Me either. I keep messaging her and I'm like, Beach, are you ready? She's like, Beach, yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's going to be great. Yes. All right, cool. Episode 29 in the bag. Yeah, it is. Wow. That's, that's a lot. That's weird. So if you want to, if you yeah. want to check out all the other 20, eight episodes we've done you can see our website at www.hauntheribarelyknowher.com and if you want to follow 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 us on social media there we go yeah you can find us at <laughs> h-h-i-b-k-h podcast on twitter I'm on twitter you'll get zoe yes and then on instagram you'll get me zoe zoe um told me that sliding into your dms is a sexual thing or like a hitting yeah, on kind is. of thing. Yeah, it, you're damn right it is. So last episode was like slide into my DMs. That's not what I meant. That's not what I meant. That's not what I meant. Okay. So anyways, <laughs> just say don't slide into my DMs. Walk into my DMs. There we go. Yeah. Is that better? Leisurely stroll into my DMs, yeah. you know? Yeah. Okay. Cool. All right. So anyways, haunt her. I barely know her. Or that hand. Stop it. Stop <laughs> it.